Hey, this is Ron Keel, the metal cowboy and host of the Streets of Rock and Roll radio show. This is Zach Wild, Black Label Society. Hey, this is Sebastian Bach. Hey, man, this is Richie Ramone. Hey, this is Bruce Kulick. Hey, this is Michael Anthony from Van Halen, Chicken Foot, and All Points in Between. And you and I are both here listening to The Shoe. The Shoe. You're listening to The Shoe. To The Shoe. You're listening to The Shoe. With the best guy I know. The best young guy I know, for sure. Miles Schumann. On iHeartRadio. Crank it up! It's Miles The Shoe Schumann, 15-year-old rock and roll radio host. You might be listening on iHeartRadio, Radio IO, WPNT. Wherever it is, it's still The Shoe. It's still me, and you know that. Anyways, today we have somebody that was on the show when I was doing it on Blog Talk Radio. He came on my Kissmas special, which is perfect because he was in the band Kiss. That's where you might know him. You might have seen him in Grand Funk Railroad 2 or, uh, you know, any of his other stuff. But he's here today to, he's here today to talk about something really cool. So Bruce Kulik's on the phone. Bruce, how are you? Great. How's it going, Miles? It's good. I, it's been a while since we've talked. I think I saw you. I, I feel like I saw you kind of recently, maybe at a rock and roll fantasy camp, but... Yes, we got to work together, didn't we? You know? Well, yeah, that that was a few years ago, but I feel like I just I saw you while I was there recently. I, I know I saw your brother recently, but I'm trying to mm. think of when the last time I actually saw you was. It may have been... It probably would have been a Vegas thing, though, if we, yeah. we ran into it. Yeah, other. that's yeah, right. Yeah. I think it was. You know, I, I have this guy doing something in my house right now, but he needs me to look at something. Can you just hold on a second? I know you'll edit everything, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just hang on a second. Okay, I'll be right back. All right. Bruce has somebody working in his house. All right, thanks. Now, Bruce, I'm curious to know, Just, be, I, I, I was thinking about this when you said you had somebody working in your house. Um, when somebody comes to work in your house or do something like that, do you ever get people, you know, that know your work with Kiss and just want to talk <laughs> about, just want to talk about, you know, your career and stuff? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, there was one time, uh, I live in a you know, townhome complex in, uh-huh. in L.A., and then, and I remember we, uh, you know, needed some uh, exterminator work, which is very typical in California. And I remember, uh, so the two guys were addressing everybody. In other words, all the homeowners were meeting the uh, exterminator team, you know, because we needed to talk about, you know, maybe tenting the building, about termites, which is a big thing in, L- in L.A. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, one of the guys just like, he looks at me, he goes like, aren't you? You know what I mean? You know, and he recognizes me because he's a big Kiss fan. It was like so embarrassing because it was yeah, in front of most of my neighbors know. And believe me, living in L.A., it's not a big deal. You know, you got you got the, you know Steve Perry from Journey owns he owns many homes, but he, you know he I'd seen him in the neighborhood. He lives in the next block, and but you're you just go trying to your to talk local about Starbucks here, and you could see anybody. You know what I mean? Anybody yeah. famous? So. Um, but that was really funny. It was a little embarrassing <laughs> for me. But yeah, uh, you're just trying yeah. to talk about termites. Yeah, yeah, we're we're here for for that. But but look, you know, uh, there's pluses and minuses. Uh, certainly, the people in in a city like L.A., which is kind of common for entertainment people to be, um, it's not so unusual to have a neighbor that's, uh, you, you know, um, maybe travels the world and and does and 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 is known on you know the way I'm known. But, yeah, known a little but, more than just the neighbor. But I'll be honest, when I was back in Iowa recently, I did an in-store for um, a local shop that I'm, I'm related to, um, uh, my brother-in-law, um, through my sister, uh, through my wife's 
sister um, is a great guitar player and he works at this really cool music chain in Iowa and I agreed since I was going to be there let's do an in-store this would be fun and in Iowa, it just seems, besides me having a nice turnout. Is that where uh, you're from, Iowa? No, no, no. That's where Lisa's from. Oh, oh, Lisa's oh, okay. family, my wife's. Right. But, man, I, it didn't matter where we went in Iowa. Somebody would stop me and, and knew who I was. You know oh, really? That's that got to be kind of fun. That, that's got to be kind of fun, though. It, it, it's fun. It's kind of funny. I mean, obviously, um, you know, the more rural you go, and if you're known, and if they're a fan, that's more exciting for them. You get what right. I'm saying, you know. Yeah. And in LA, like I said, everyone's just in a hurry to get where they got to go. They're not looking for some uh, guitar player that might not have been in a band. Although, you know, it was really funny. I, I take my my elderly mom, God bless her. You know, I'll bring her to some of the doctors, and I took her to the eye doctor last week. And I remember when I was parking the car after dropping her off, I go like, I know that guy. Wait a minute. That guy, and I could tell he wasn't feeling well. You know, it turns out to be James Kotak, you know, the oh, drummer, because really? we wound <laughs> no. up in the elevator together. And I go, I know you. He had sunglasses on, though, of course. <laughs> he was playing really rock. And, I, you know, he was having some back problems. He had to see his doctor, you know what I mean? So I've met him before. But, in, you know, that's what I mean. Isn't that kind of funny? You know, that I bump into him at a, at a medical building. Right. Hey, that's, that's that, doesn't ha- that doesn't happen in Connecticut. I never have. Probably that not. <laughs> maybe not as much. No, yeah. maybe not. Well, anyways, KKB, um, let's talk about that. That's you. You did a little something with KKB in what 2008, it says. Um, but you're going back to it now. You know, explain to explain to my audience what KKB is for right. those who don't know. So the first original project that I actually got involved with, which uh, started in in uh, 1974, is when I found. Um, this guy, Mike Katz, who lived on my block, actually. We lived in these uh, apartment building complexes uh, okay. in Jackson Heights. And then um, our drummer guy lived uh, five blocks away in a house. Uh, well, I mentioned the house because we had a basement to rehearse in, which was super important. And Mike was a really talented bassist, singer, songwriter. And he had a real point of view. I mean, as much as I was learning and playing in some top 40 bands, Guy and I were in a couple of bands together doing covers and playing the local dance and stuff like that or community center. Um, Mike had ideas for original songs. And he wrote the majority of these songs. I co-wrote one thing with him. Uh, And we used to rehearse all the time in Guy's basement. We had no name. KKB just came up later when I found the tape in 2008, right. and I realized, okay, well, you know, Cats, Kulik, or Kulik, Cats, both Ks, and then Boys is uh, Boise A was really Guy's last name, but B-O-I-S, you know, so B, yeah, and there's sure, KKB, man. which remarkably, no other band was really called KKB, okay? Not to be confused with KGB, okay, or KBB, right. which is <laughs> Kelly Blue Book, okay? Anyway, um, uh, so fast forward, we recorded, like I said, these songs in 74, and I, had a, I found a tape that I definitely have been careful with a lot of things from my past, fortunately, and I've been archiving, but I, I always had this tape on Radio Shack tape, which is not great quality, but I did have a tape of, uh, of us that had the date and the songs and a couple other things on it. And at a garage sale back in 08, I found uh, somebody was selling a, wor- a really good working TIAC tape recorder. Played it back. Uh, Friends of mine heard it and said, this is great. You've got to put it out. So all I knew in 2008, of course, I reached out to Mike. We've been in touch, you know, through the years. Sure. Because uh, I'd see him sometimes in New York when I'd travel for myself or Grand Funk or Fantasy Camp or whatever. But uh, 
I did ask him, do you know where the tapes are? You know, if he, he knew where the original tapes were. And he didn't. He knew nothing. Okay. So that Radio Shack tape, all I could do then was transfer it to Pro Tools, try to clean it up the best I could. Uh, couldn't manipulate it because it's a finished mix, you know, on, yeah. on two tracks. And I realized in 2008, people were still hungry for physical product, more so than now. But still, I, I printed up a, a number of them, and, and that year sold this limited number of KKB 1974, I called That's it. Right. So I gave it a title and everything. And so it got you, a good can't, reaction, you can't get you know? that anymore, right? That, that was, no, that, yeah. that's been out of print forever. You know, okay. I mean, uh, basically past that year, you couldn't buy it. I rarely ever see them on eBay or anything. Okay. So fast forward to, and I was fine with that. You know what I mean? I sold it, you know, um, uh, shared it with everyone. Yeah, it sounded there. respectable, but it didn't, it didn't kill me, but I didn't have much choice. I rec- recognized that people would say, well, it's, it's from 1974. Then fast forward about two years ago, and Mike finds the tapes, the original tapes. And now I am like, uh, get those over to a studio and transfer them as soon as you can to digital, which he does. And then have that guy upload that so I can send it to my engineer to examine what we have as individual tapes. So, you know, two gig later of, you know, digital transfer at a high bit rate, uh, these tapes were pristine. They were saved perfectly. However, he stored them were fine, and the quality of that tape was not Radio Shack. Okay, if you get so what it I'm sounds saying. good. It, was, it sounds good. Yeah, it was a tape from from the studio. <clears throat> in fact, Mike, I think used to go in sometimes because post our session, when we the day we recorded all that stuff, he did fool around with vocals again at another time. Okay. Okay. Uh, and and there were some mixes that he did with vocals. I didn't like those mixes. Um, but you know, he tried some effects on vocals and things like that. So now that we had the original four tracks, now I realized I can bring it to my favorite engineer, this guy, Brian Virtue, who's worked with a lot of, a lot of big people and we can remaster and remix this properly. Um, obviously the opportunity was there that I could have doubled things. I could have gotten crazy with it, but I did not want to do that. You left it. I wanted to leave it. The only thing we did was we added strings to the ballad, which was just two voices and a guitar. And now it has a a professional string quartet on it with a beautiful chart written by uh, Jeremy Rubolino, the guy who produced BK3 for me, who's a string arranger as well. And that came out great. But I did not want to put this out without a bigger catch, okay, knowing that I was going to be kind of uh, honest about the music. I could have doubled all the guitars. I could have replaced guitars. None of that made sense to me. You know, the key so this... here was restraint and not to overdo it just because I had the original four tracks. Okay. Uh, besides the fact there were a lot of bleed amongst the tracks. Okay. So it's the, it's your playing from 35 years ago then? 40 years ago. 40 years ago. 74. Okay. 41 years if you really want to be technical almost. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, my only ambition, if I was going to put it out again, was to have another valuable thing, uh, which is going to be a new song. So uh, I challenged Mike with that, and he agreed. And I, I did have a riff uh, that I thought reminded me of something like KKB and sent him home with that because uh, he was out here in L.A. And um, I couldn't believe what he turned that riff into, which is that new song, Got to Get Back which uh, ironically, even though it's the title of the record and the um, uh, first song, it does sound like something that could have been 40 years old, which is pretty crazy, you know, when you think about it. So um, 
got to get back, became the title of the record and the leadoff track, a brand new song um, by me giving Mike a couple of riff ideas, mm -hmm. him, like literally turning them up inside out and upside down. And then that became, he did a demo, and then we used that as the Pro Tools session guide, if you get what I mean. And uh, Guy lives in France because he, his family was part Haitian and French, French-Haitian. And Mike was still in New York, so it became like an international recording, you know. Isn't that uh, so cool how you, can, how you can do that? You can just yeah, send stuff over yeah, the I, internet? I do sessions um, for people in Sweden and, and various places around the world. By All they got to do is send me a reasonable MP3 of it, and uh, I can upload that and you know, record my guitars in a quality manner and send it back and they place that back into the full yeah. session. Yes. I mean, I mean, for me, you know, I don't, I don't know any other, I don't know any other way. I'm born in the yeah, generation yeah. of, um, you know, right, crazy right. technology. But, but, but you know, back in 74, there was no system. You couldn't you know? do that. Yeah. Right. And that's why, uh, I'm still really fascinated with the photo that I got of the studio. The engineer that owned the studio that we recorded at actually wound up, um, kind of resurfacing about a year ago all of a sudden he reached out to mike and me and uh he is so thrilled about this you know because uh he actually loved the band and it was one of his favorite projects that ever came through that studio in the bronx and he didn't forget about it and here we are releasing and spreading his name and i you know i, I even have a, a sticker on the product from his studio and the cd artwork is a picture of his studio with all the tape machines you know so, but the new song was done modern, you know, with a Pro Tools session right. shared, the demo shared, and everybody overdubbed on that, and then Brian mixed it here in L.A. And um, there's something about that song that, that really fits with the others, even though it was done, you know, 40 years later. It's kind of weird. So it's, it's just that one song, to be clear, that that's a new song, the other six right. are... just old. the opening track, correct. And the rest were all recorded in 74 wow. with, no, with no fancy manipulation. Um, there were no overdubs. Uh, there's one guitar thing, and trying to get back, try to find the, trying to find my way, of the song I co-wrote, where I go on the vocal track and I do this like like what you know like phased octave theme on the guitar. Ooh. We didn't have the luxury of punching in or anything, and if it was going to be an overdub, it had to be on a free track. So if you're only free track possible when you got bass on one, guitar on the other, and drums on the other, is the vocal track. You see what I mean? So, are are you uh, doing this the same way as um, KKB seventy four? Like, there's going to be a limited amount, or is it going to be yeah, you know, out yeah? Yeah, I just I just did. I actually only ordered five hundred, and I'm numbering them, and I'm only selling them from my website. Even though people could, and I wanted it to be on digital and share it that way with the world. So it's you know it's on Spotify and all the digital outlets, and okay. you can buy it on iTunes. Um, but what you're not getting is what I offer from my website, which is yeah, I, not I only it, I the artwork is right terrific. Now. I love the way it came out. And then you get a download card, um, and then you get a photo card, which explains the story on one side, and the other side is a interesting photo of the three of us as, as young people. <laughs> and then you get a, a signature guitar pick, too. Yeah, so, so the on, on kulik.net slash yep. KKB, uh, you can either get an unsigned copy for $20 or get an autographed copy by Bruce for $30, which includes a limited edition numbered CD, two-sided photo card, guitar pick, and a download card. Right. That sounds It's cool. a package deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're not, you're not, you're not marketing, marketing this at all as uh, a Bruce, you know, as a Kulik solo thing because, you know, you're calling this 
KKB, but I'm kind of curious to know why not put it out there as uh, Bruce Kulik's KKB? Well, the only thing I did similar to what you're mentioning is I did want the connection, at least on the internet or when people search, um, especially on the, in the digital domain. So technically the single I tagged as featuring Bruce Kulik. Okay. okay. Because I do want the connection between my name and KKB. KKB as itself has, you know, there's no history of gigs and albums coming out on real labels and all in the past, exactly, if you get yeah. what I'm saying, yeah. to make it show up somewhere. When I discussed this with TuneCore and some correspondence with the people there, they were like, well, why would you feature yourself if you're in the band? Now, they don't understand my history and my, you know, how people know me. Right. So, I, I, I mean, I, I let them tell me their thoughts, but then I discussed it with Brian and a few other of my, what I like to call Team Kulik, and, and I, don't, I didn't agree with them. I do want the connection between me, but this isn't my solo thing. It, 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 if anything, it's more Mike's music and Mike's vision than mine. It's just I happen to have um, a, a long resume and fans that, that are curious about my career. Uh, and as much as Mike's gone on and he did some other things musically, you, you know, people aren't, he doesn't have a, a, you know, that searchable history on the internet. Yeah, you're that. the one in the band with a name. In other right. Words. Yeah. So that's why I kind of figured as much as I'm never trying to represent it as my solo thing, because it's really not. This was my first original band. I think the bigger question is why didn't we 40 years ago, like, showcase for somebody or try to get a, a label or a manager to follow our dream of these. Well, why didn't you? you? Know, That's these, a good question. I don't know. I have no clue. No <laughs> answer. I know Mike got busy doing some gigs with USO and I, I continued on to play some, you know, top 40 gigs. And then next thing I know I'm backing up disco artists, you know, George McRae and Andrea True Connection. And then I'm off with, you know, you know, with my career eventually yeah, winding up right. with meatloaf and, uh, and and carrying on, as and you know the rest of my resume. But the point is, I don't know. I mean, I know we did it for the right reasons because we love the music and we love the challenge of the creativity of learning these songs, and we love the songs. You know, you realize there was so much dynamics in the songs. You know, you're a bass player. Listen to what Mike's doing on that instrument. It's crazy. So you're not you know? going to tour this, are you? You're not. Well, look, I know Mike and Guy would love to do a gig. First of all, the material is not that easy, but more importantly, for getting the, the job of you know rehearsing it and learning it. And, and you're in um, another band. I, yeah, yeah, I can't suddenly say to Grand Funk, I have no reason after 15 years for me to say to Grand Funk when I've always fit other things in when I can and when right. it's appropriate. You know, hey guys, I need two months to go tour with KKB. You know, no, no I, I can't do that. That brings up um, another question I have. Mm -hmm. How come you? How come you've never put out a record with Grand Funk? There hasn't even been a Grand Funk record since like the you're early eighties. You're exactly 80s. right. And look, when you get involved with another band, just like you know when I entered Kiss, you know, yeah. clearly uh, the the you know the goals and the desires and the and the work. Uh, is generated by Gene and Paul. You know, they're going to decide, all right, it's time to do another record. Okay, we're going to go tour here. We're going to South America. You know, whatever right, it right. is, you're following their lead. For many reasons, some of them I understand, some I still am not real clear on, but 
I, I, I know how to be a, a team player that if Don and Mel don't want to try to record a new record, even though they know they have a terrific, you know, band now for 15 years, it's totally their prerogative. It could have to do with, you know, contractual things with the old label capital. It could have to do with issues with market corporation. I have no idea. It's not my business. All I know is if they wanted to do something, I'd be there, you know, with bells on, as, as, as the old expression go. And if not, you know, I'm there to do the gigs, you know what I mean, and play my heart out, which is what I do. Would you ever, is that something you've wanted to do in the past, though, put out a, a Grand Funk record? I'm always up for anything that anybody throws me. I, I, and again, if they don't have the desire, I'm not going to, you know, like, like bang my head against the wall about it. Gotcha. Why would I? Yeah. You know, we do some new songs. I mean, they're not new anymore, but there is songs that are not from the Grand Funk catalog in the set. But that's totally their call. And I always respect they created Grand Funk with Mark. You know, it's their band. And I, I am not the one to tell them it's worth doing this or not worth doing this. It makes no sense for me to, to, to tell. I, I know that from working with, with Gene and Paul with Kiss, you know. Um, there's no reason to, to, to try to put somebody in a place where if they don't have that desire, why would I want to try to push them that way? You know, um, now, last so time... I, I accept that and, and, and we're all fine with it. All of us, we realize what we do every week when we go and do a gig and you saw the band live, you know, yeah, I did. we, we just, we, we love playing. It's a, everyone is terrific on their instrument and does, you know, works together well on stage. And, you guys uh, sound good too. Sound yeah, those good. songs are great. We always have a great, you know, sound off the stage and, and uh, everybody goes home happy. The crowd goes, wow, we want more. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so like, how can you complain? You know, there's nothing to complain about. Now, last time I talked, or last time I had you on the show, I should say, uh, I don't think you had gotten married yet, but mm -hmm. now you, you're a married man and, uh, I saw some photos on Kiss's Facebook page of Gene and Paul and you at, at your wedding and everything. Yes. How was how was your wedding and you know spending time with um with Gene and Paul again and and you know the whole thing? It was a real honor, obviously, uh, having them there because uh, you know I know sometimes schedule wise, you know, it, it's really hard to have you know people that tour and and do all that and they have their family life and everything. But Gene and Paul came. You know, Eric was the guy who actually signed my. Uh, Wedding, uh, I forget what they call that. Is it the license? Yeah, it's the license. You know, ironically, he walked in right when uh, we were looking for somebody to sign it. You know, so oh, really? uh, that was real special for Eric to do that for me. Wow. And uh, and they had a great time. You know, I I had a perfect table for them, uh, and a couple of the people that I put at the table they they worked with in the past, so, so that that made it fun for them. And it was really funny too because the cantor that actually married Lisa and I. We didn't have like a real traditional Jewish wedding or anything, but but he, we did have a cantor there, and uh, he knew the backstory of Lisa seeing me back in, you know, uh, asylum years and and her being at a meet and greet and and Paul, you know, like flirting with her and her being like, oh, Paul family, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And and he he told an amazing story using that. Uh, in the, you know, usually a good officiant, uh, I think they call it a, a yeah, I'm not going to say the word right, but the guy who does the ceremony, okay? Yeah, okay. When he, when he officiates it, okay? Uh, 
if they can do it in a, in a compelling, you know, human way, you know, do it. And, and he did. So he starts using some of the information that we shared in a very off the cuff kind of like casual interview with him. Uh, that was hilarious because, you know, she didn't come to see me. She came to see Kiss and she was most interested in Paul then. You know what I mean? Uh, and, you know, who knows if she even knew who the guitar player was uh, for the Asylum Tour. You get what I mean? And you didn't so, even really, you didn't, you didn't meet her and start a relationship with her back then either, did no, you? No, no. I mean, there's something about the story that she talked about and where she mentioned something with Eric and, and, and Paul that sounded a little familiar to me. But, you know, we did a meet and greet, probably a limited one at, at, at every gig. So how would yeah, I remember? You, you meet you know, a million people, yeah. Right. I mean, and she's, you know, young, you know. But anyway, um, uh, I know she didn't make up the story, and, and it was very funny. I know she met Paul years later when she was a flight attendant, actually. But uh, the story was so funny because she bas- you know, the guy basically you know, uh, made, made a very kind of funny angle to the whole thing where uh, it was very embarrassing for, 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 for us. And Paul, of course, was very flattered. But it, you know, when you tell the story that, like, well, you know, the first time, you know, uh, Lisa, you know, met Bruce. Yeah. She was not there to see him. She was there to meet Paul. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. And then, and, yeah, but yeah. to have Paul there when when we're going to be saying our vows to each other, it, it just it it was a big dream come true for Lisa. It was never her, you know, goal to marry a Kiss member. But the fact that that you know that's something that she probably did fantasize at one time. Why not? We all fantasize right. things like that, uh, and especially you know young girls that went to see fans and you know not much different than me maybe fantasizing about some movie star or some actress or something you know and then there it there it was you know she gets to marry me and and kisses at her wedding you know yeah, how it's bizarre a, it's is that a, it's a real sense of dream come true yes and 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 it couldn't have gone more perfect she planned the whole thing i was a wreck and i didn't even think i'd make it through it i thought like during the vows i'll break down and cry because you know I, I can be emotional at times and I was so perfect I was so proud of myself and uh, it was you a magical know, day we had a wonderful wedding a really wonderful wedding it would have been real cool if, if uh, you know just for the fun of it at the end of the night your your version or your lineup of Kiss got on stage to you know do it. Oh, song. would you stop? That sounds I, like a Kiss fan. I actually <laughs> had a very like different song. take on what the music should be because Lisa and I Everyone knows, you know, you know, I'm a rock musician, and I came from Kiss. Everybody there, but we love this uh, band that plays here in LA. That, they, as far as I'm concerned, they should be superstars. They're called Nutty, okay, N-U-T-T-Y, and they they do like a Rat Pack funny arrangements of classic rock tunes, okay. And the guy Sonny, who runs the band, he sings great, and the arrangements are so clever. We saw them at one of the really nice uh, jazz, um, you know, restaurant places in, in in L.A. here, and we fell in love with them. And and they even learned Detroit Rock City, you know, uh, you know, in their style, you know. But Google Nutty sometime, and you'll see. I will. So it wasn't the kind of situation where uh, I wanted any of the band to get up and jam, or or myself, or anything. And the only thing related to my music I actually wanted to share with Lisa. If you Google uh, Lisa Lane featuring Bruce Kulick uh, on iTunes, comes up a beautiful song that we recorded that we did our first dance to that Lisa's singing. And I'm playing jazz guitar, too, which is a whole different side of me. 
And we used that, like I said, it's it's the music in the video. If you Google Lisa Lane, Bruce Kulick Wedding, or vice versa with the names, you'll see the video montage of the, the, uh, how the wedding went. And the music is Lisa singing in that song called uh, I Dreamed of You. So it's a beautiful Lisa song Lane that Barbara Streisand did at her wedding uh, years ago. And Lisa knew the track, and we professionally recorded it, just like I would have recorded uh, another solo record. And she's got a a voice from the angels, you know, she's incredible. So that was really touching for me, and it was very cool to do the first dance to to our music, not not with the pressure of us doing it live, if you get what I'm saying. Right. You know? So that well, was really, really sweet. make sure to check that out, Lisa Lane featuring Bruce Kulik on iTunes, yeah, as well as there, KKB, yeah. net slash KKB. It's very simple mm-hmm. to find. Um, Bruce, it's been an honor talking to you as always. I always have fun talking to you. Yep. I know you've been a busy boy and one uh, day you'll be a busy man, right? (laughs) (laughs) Anything that uh, I've Yeah, thank you actually. And uh, please send regards to, uh, you know, your your mom and all. Will do. uh, I'm sure I'll catch you at one of the the camps or down the road sometime, but um, I've been keeping an eye on you. I know you've been doing really well with your show, so congratulations for that. I'm very, very proud of you. Thank you. Hey, well, it's always good to talk to you, Bruce, so we'll we'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay. You be well, and and be careful with your shoes, okay? (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bruce Kulik, like I said, you may know him from KISS, Grand Funk Railroad, wherever you know him. Bruce is a very, very cool guy. His brother, Bob, I got got to see recently, who's also very cool. Looks like Bruce with a mustache, but bald. Anyways, um, like I said, qlook.net slash KKB. It's Miles the Shoe Schumann. Thank you for tuning in. Rock on, everybody.